We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank. Up next, the latest on the K-State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Manbeck, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, let's begin the show. Hello and welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former B-writer for the Manhattan Mercury, and we are here talking K-State football, mainly K-State in the NFL draft. I mean, there have been some years here recently, folks, where there would not be much content to fill an entire podcast of, but uh, this time we've got it, man. What a weekend for K-State football, for Chris Kleiman. Uh, for the four draftees for the Wildcats that are all going to their hometown teams. I mean, it was just an unbelievable weekend for K-State at the draft and so much exposure and PR for the football program. All the way down to Pete Thamel even going on set, ESPN's biggest national college football reporter, and quickly cutting off any question about Texas winning the Big 12 and saying that K-State was going to repeat as Big 12 champs. So uh, no shortage of uh, great things happening for K-State throughout the weekend. We will cover it all here on this podcast. Make sure that you stock up on your Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon and your 360 Vodka from Holiday Distillery. Celebrate those K-State draftees. Nice toast to King Felix going in the first round of the hometown Kansas City Chiefs. Do it with Holiday Distillery. They support us, so please support them. Great K-State folks there as well. Uh, man, I mean, just I, I have I do not remember a draft that was as exciting as that. I mean, I don't, Cole, I was trying to think like historically the last time that K-State's had a, as impactful or meaningful a draft, I guess maybe when Terrence Newman was going in the top five to the Dallas Cowboys back in 2000, that would have been the, the 03 draft after the 2002 season. Um, am I, I'm going to start with you there on the, the historical context of this. Like, has there been a, just a better PR draft for K-State in recent memory or perhaps ever? No, I mean, it was the, what, the highest combination of your top two picks in the draft with Julius Brintz going at 44 as well uh, in Kansas State history. I think the storyline of Felix going to the hometown Chiefs being from KC 
I think that makes it even more special, obviously. And uh, and then Josh Hayes going as well as uh, as Deuce to his hometown team. And like the Deuce thing going viral with his dad and that announcement and all the national media and everybody retweeting that uh, is a nice to have as well because everybody feels so thrilled for Deuce. Would have loved him to be in Kansas City as well, but for him to go to Dallas... You have to be so happy for Deuce and that family, knowing that the lifelong Cowboys fans and his dad working for the Cowboys. So, I mean, from a historical perspective, John, I mean, really, it would probably be Newman. I'd have to look and see, like, I think the most they've ever had drafted in a draft is maybe seven. Uh, but they, were... they got to six or seven at one point in the peak Snyder years. Like, I feel like 98, 99. I'm looking it up right now. But but the storyline of all these guys going to their hometown team just makes it so unique. I mean, Van Malone had a, a tweet last night, assistant coach for K-State football, that according to chat GPT, the odds of four players from the same university each getting drafted by their hometown team is one in 62 trillion. So uh, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, you guys were making the jokes after Josh Hayes went back home to the, the Tampa area when the Buccaneers drafted him. Everybody was making the joke in our group chat. Well, that means Deuce has got to go to Dallas, right, at pick 212, and then Deuce goes to Dallas. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's it's awesome, and you feel just great for Felix as well. That, that's, that's awesome, and I'm thrilled that we're going to be able to watch him every Sunday here in the Kansas City area. I'm I'm looking at... 99, 2001, and 2002, K-State had six selections each of those years. Uh, and then they had five the other year in between there. So that that's your best run of draftees. But, yeah, I mean, you were you were flirting with that number at least anyway. Uh, never have had two in the top 44, like you mentioned, with Brents and Felix. And then, I mean, yeah, it's just the storylines attached to it. Like, Felix commanded, at, I wouldn't say, like, Felix wasn't like the story nationally of, of day one of the draft, right? But regionally, like in Kansas City, obviously with him being taken by the Chiefs and the draft being in Kansas City, uh, with all the attention surrounding the city there and that being the pick and that happening, you just dominated like the regional headlines. And for those of us that that live in Kansas City, that was certainly very nice to see. And those of us that are Chiefs fans, uh, obviously it was really exciting to see. But day three of the draft, I mean, I think you did. You dominated the storyline like that deuce Deuce was the best story of day three of the draft for sure. Um, so that to me is what was so special about it. And, you know, beyond that, obviously it's it's going to be exciting to watch Felix be playing for such a high profile team and a team that likely is going to be playing deep into the playoffs every single year. Like it, it creates not only a lot of regional exposure for Felix in the program, but that's going to lead to some national exposure there too, D.Y., for the fact that, that he is playing with the Kansas City Chiefs and alongside uh, guys like Chris Jones. Yeah, like you said, Deuce kind of put the national spotlight on Kansas State on Saturday with the storyline between he and his father in the viral moment that they shared, you know, via a phone call as well, and, and his dad, you know, learning of that that's going to be the Cowboys' pick because he had to step out during the evaluations and the conversations about Deuce just because of the conflict of interest prior to it. Um, and then, like you said, the the biggest one, and, and I know the national recognition is important for Kansas State because you're trying to build a brand and defeat stereotypes, and the biggest one is the one that's probably nationally um, in terms of perception, but from a, I guess, more impactful um, category, it's probably Felix Key being drafted by the Chiefs in the first round because that is a kid that is from 
the, the top area that you want to recruit and dominate um, in terms of the Kansas City Metro, right? And you took a kid that wasn't even 200 pounds as a junior in high school, um, was only 207 when he got to Kansas State and turned him into a 250, 255-pound defensive end that gets drafted in the first round um, by his favorite team. So from Lee Summit to Kansas State to the Chiefs, and if you're trying to preach that you're on the come up in terms of recruiting, uh, that's only going to help more because when you have the testimony, the testaments, and, and uh, to speak on uh, in terms of recruiting, like you you had to promise things that you hadn't necessarily come through on yet in recruiting the past few years, and now you can promise things and say we've done it before. So, um, for just from a recruiting standpoint. The do stuff is great. Um, I loved it. I've, I don't know how many times I have watched it at this point, but the Felix stuff is going to have a very, very large impact. Well, yeah, because the other thing is like just feel when you're going to recruit a kid in the Kansas City area. I mean, it's not just you can point to like, hey, we developed this guy. It's just like, <clears throat> hey, you like the Chiefs? You see that guy that's rushing the passer there on Sundays? Like, yeah, that guy came through our program. Like that, that was us. Um, it's just going to be a great representative of K-State. Like, there was already some of that with Byron Pringle when he was playing for the Chiefs, but obviously that was in a much smaller role than what we expect Felix to have with Kansas City. Now, that can be a double-edged sword, and I, I think one one of the parts about this, at least maybe this won't matter as much to the overall general narrative and story arc of this, but uh, for those of us who are, you know, living around the other fa- other Chiefs fans here, like, I've, I've seen it with Nick Bolton, for instance, with the Chiefs, right? He gets drafted from Missouri. He, he probably takes too much crap, you know, for some of his shortcomings earlier on in his career. He was taking crap from people because they, you know, Kansas fans are inclined not to like him because he's a Missouri guy. And the same thing here, like Kansas fans, Missouri fans might be annoyed because he's a K-State guy and put extra pressure, just react differently, treat him differently than they would, be less patient with him than they would with other guys because of that. So that that's probably something to keep in mind here about how it'll work in Kansas City. But I think obviously the pros far, far outweigh the cons. Yeah, I mean, it's something you could sell to high school football coaches in Kansas City now, and, and they're going to know it. Um, you know, again, State steps into that school and that living room, and I say they're going to do this for a kid. Um, they have more reason to believe. Well, and if Felix does well for the Chiefs over the ensuing years, and he has eight, ten sack seasons, a really good player, and featured more prominently there and the success he has, I mean, that's just going to resonate even more in Kansas City as they continue to say, you know, Felix and Yudike Uzama, Kansas State, you know, and you make that pitch, like, look at what he became in the NFL after being a first-round pick, and you're trying to sell that to kids in the the KC metro area. So, yeah, I think it's huge when it comes to that. I think it's big, too, that that's now three transfer defensive backs when you count Josh Adams and Julius Brents and Russ East last year, uh, you know, that have gotten drafted. You know, Chris Kleiman and Joe Klanderman and these these secondary coaches, like they develop and put secondary guys in the NFL as well. And it's become a very attractive spot for that. I mean, you could go back even before Kleiman, you know, DJ Reed and, and Duke Shelley from 2018, 2019 get drafted, K-State corner. So they put some dudes in the league. Uh, and uh, I think that's not something to be undersold there. DJ Reed and Duke Shelley have turned into really good NFL players. Uh, DJ, DJ Reed, man, he's... He's great. I think he's a top ten corner in the league. So yeah, is he really that good? Is that? I mean, I I I, th- I think he got a, a really nice deal from the Jets, right? Dy uh, last offseason. Yeah. So and, and Duke Shelley had a really good finish slot yeah. with the Vikings. 
Yeah. yeah, I knew I knew that Shelly had definitely been on the come up too. I mean, yeah, I'm mean, thrilled for those guys. I, DJ Reed, one of my all time favorites that I covered uh, yeah. when he was at K State. But yeah, I mean, and the transfer portal is such a huge part of the recruiting process, and I think K State already resonates more with guys in the portal even than they would high school guys because of the culture. You have this really business like, um, very positive culture. I think that resonates more with somebody who's being recruited for a second time as opposed to the first time. But now start throwing NFL success behind it. I mean, you just, it's, it's the momentum, right? It's all the momentum that this program has put together where they were kind of wallowing around in that like six to eight win territory for a while. We're always wondering like, are they going to break through? Are they going to break through? Well, now you break through, you win a big 12 championship, you can sell that. And now you're stacking NFL guys with high profile teams on top of that. Uh, There's just a lot to sell here with recruiting already taking such a big jump. Um, because they're they're doing so much better with that in general. So I just think the the benefits here are uh, are incredible, pretty much all the way around. What do we think of Dy? What do we think of Deuce's chances to succeed here? I mean, obviously the the moment was amazing, and that is, I mean, it was on the Daily Mail, which is that's the UK, right? So we're we're talking about like that story went international not just national international and it was an incredible moment you feel so good for those guys and that family deuce's dad saying afterwards that like 15 minutes before that pick he had talked to deuce and normally incredibly mentally strong he was breaking a little bit and was at probably his lowest point i believe was a direct quote so just you your heart warms for for deuce and company but my thought was as a chiefs fan i'm like i wanted him on the chiefs really badly but if he's not going to go there if he's going to a high profile team in the nfc i mean i'll take that I'll take that. So I, I kind of like that element of Dallas, but I don't know, McCarthy and Schottenheimer, I definitely have heard the, the criticisms there. So I don't, what do you think? What do you think is the plan for Deuce in the NFL and how much success can he really have? I've always said this and, and I'm not necessarily, I'm not really backing away from it, but I would be more stunned if Deuce Bond doesn't play in the league for a long time because the way that he carries himself the way that he takes care of himself, the way that he operates, it's just uh, tailor-made for a long professional career. What his role will be will probably be diminished because of his stature. Be- um, his size will limit his volume uh, just because he can't take on the same volume that he had at Kansas State in the NFL and play a long career. That would probably be practically impossible. And and he has certain limitations that go beyond that as well. Um, my only concern at this point is what you alluded to in your last little statement there, is that the Dallas Cowboys were a perfect situation for him in the fact that you could have that moment with his father. But in terms of Mike McCarthy and... And, you know, Schottenheimer is the OC. I worry about the lack of creativity that they can muster because it's going to take a very, very brilliant offensive mind with a lot of creativity to have a good plan for Deuce Vaughn to utilize him in the correct way because of what Deuce Vaughn is, you have to have a concrete plan for how to use him that's going to be effective. And it's got to got to be a little bit creative it can't just be like we're going to use him in the passing or we're going to use him on the perimeter you have or we're going to get him the ball in space you have to have a pretty detailed and considerable plan of action of how to get him the ball 
and how to use him. And I think that required guys with maybe a better offensive reputation in terms of uh, the mind of the game. Um, so I worry, and I'm a little concerned about that when it comes to Deuce, because does that impact his career? I don't know. Um, but macro, everything that Deuce Vaughn is and will be for the rest of his life uh, commands that he will have a long and very lucrative professional career. I mean, as long as he's used the right way. D.Y., didn't, didn't Mike McCarthy win you a Super Bowl, and you're going to come out here and handmouth him? Mr. Packers fan. Uh, I, she talked about Deuce breaking there for a moment before he got back to reality and got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. I've been breaking as a as a Packers fan for the last two years, so I've been <laughs> about. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, as long as Deuce is used the right way, he's going to have a long and very successful NFL career. I think we can all agree with that. I think a large reason I wanted him and John probably too to go to the Chiefs is we know Andy Reid would know exactly how to utilize him and have a plan in place with what he did with Brad Westbrook and Darren Sproles. And so he would have been a great fit. And obviously we would have able to watch him easily 17 games a year here in the Kansas City market. The one benefit you mentioned, John, him being in Dallas, the Cowboys are on TV a lot nationally. So we'll get to watch Deuce a lot uh, on TV, on the local channels, and then also uh, Thanksgiving Day, hopefully see Deuce or Pop one. So Hopefully McCarthy has a plan in place to use him. Tony Pollard's a really good running back there. Now that Zeke Elliott's gone, Pollard will have more of a, a role in that offense. Uh, he's a, a very talented back. And and historically, over the last several years, the Cowboys have had a really good offensive line. So I hope they give Deuce a chance to run the football behind that line and get him involved in the passing game and not just special teams. Instead, Cole, we got to see the Chiefs draft uh, <laughs> Keandre Coburn, who was the one that uh, was out here Subtweeting uh, Felix and DK Uzama during the Big 12 championship game, but then got subsequently dunked off Felix. So I'd, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for the uh, the first meeting between those two gentlemen once once they get back. I I forgot I forgot all about that. I, I think I texted you guys a few picks before that I could see the Chiefs taking Coburn and it'd be a fit with the tackle, and I had forgotten that Coburn was the guy that did that. So great. Well, that's uh, that'll make it harder to root for him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he seems like a pretty good dude. I was, nah, yeah. I was like, hey, he actually, he, he comes across. Yeah. So. Yeah. So he was standing stand up for his dude. Come on. You know, his five loss dude. Yeah. Uh, he was standing up for his eight and five team. Hey, stand up for eight and five team, man. So you're going to have a loyal teammate in the Chiefs locker. How about that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Man. Loyal, loyal teammate, even if the Chiefs start losing a bunch of games. Um and and underwhelm every single year. If if the Chiefs underwhelm for the next thirteen years, we know that Keandre Coburn is going to be right there standing by his teammates because that's what we saw him do at Texas. So, excellent point, D. White. Excellent well, point. Well, luckily for you, I don't think you're going to have that concern. Uh, now I I may. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Hey. Hey, hey, guys! When we when we do come back from break and we break down all the KU draft picks and talk about them and uh, and the local connections there, right in their backyard. The no, no, I, I think Cole, I think we can go ahead and take care of that right now. Here is your breakdown of Kansas draft picks before we go to break, and we're going to go to break. On the other side, we will talk about who's getting drafted next year from the Kansas State Wildcats. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, and we are back. So next year, I'm going to tie a couple of things together here. Uh, Cooper Beebe is obviously the headliner for next year's draft class for K-State. Uh, Pete Thamel said on set when he was there, I don't know if it was in, was it college game day that they were doing there when he said this? Okay, so Thamel was when they were doing their iteration of college game day on the draft set. Um, but he imagine, I mean, he picked K-State to win the Big 12, which I want to talk about that a little bit after the next break. But for now, he did mention like, hey, Cooper Beebe's maybe the best interior lineman in the country. He's probably going to be a first-round pick. Um, that seems like a pretty surefire bet for next year. Outside of that, you know, I mean, we're talking about, what, like Khalid Duke, um, maybe Will Howard or Ben Sinnott if they were to decide to go. At that point in time, who else am I missing, D.Y., that would be potential draftees for next year's squad? Yeah, the, I think if I were to put together a top five, it would be obviously Cooper Beebe. You mentioned Khalid Duke, um, Will Howard, and Ben Sennett if they were to come out. And I've had some trepidation of Will Howard just because I think there is a certain ceiling on him. But after you see like some of the dudes that got drafted, this year at quarterback, then I don't see any way that Will Howard is not drafted at quarterback. I mean, Green Bay took what Sean Clifford in the fourth. Like, it, like hey, who's the Purdue kid? Is that O'Connell? Like Aiden O'Connell? Like, yeah, but that like better than taking Clifford. Come on, boy. I don't know. I was watching that dude. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I guess. I guess I don't. And, and also, I'm going on a tangent here. How do you take Sean Clifford before Max Duggan? And I don't love Max Duggan as an NFL guy. Gosh, I would take Max Duggan before I would take Sean. Clifford. 
anyways, so you see those guys, you got to think Will Howard has a pretty um, nice track to get drafted. It's probably day three, but to be there. But Now, Ben Sinnott, it would not shock me, and it's obviously going to be dictated by the depth at that position in the particular draft that he comes out in, but I think, you know, he has a chance to maybe slide into day two, I would think. I mean, that's a guy that can really play, in my opinion. And if I had to say a fifth, might surprise you. I would go KT Leviston. Um, I think with all the pre- like year starting college production, uh, he's going to have a very surprising length about him that I think is going to open the eyes of many, whether it be fans, scouts, coaches, analysts. Uh, he is long, and that's why he's able to play left tackle at his size. He is very, very long. He's also very, very athletic, and He's getting more athletic because he's getting his body better. Um, and another year, uh, he, he could really craft himself into, if he has, like, from a production standpoint, tape standpoint, he could be, you know, a day three, maybe back into day two pick. There's a lot of people starting to really like A.T. Leviston's draft stock for next year. Wow. No, I think most people will be surprised by that, DUI, but uh, I thought KT had a, a really nice year this year, and he's got length. Like, I know people see him, he's like 6'3 and a half, 6'4, but his arms are incredibly long, and uh, I think that's a huge asset. I think he'd probably slide into guard uh, at the NFL level and could maybe be a mauler at that position, and he's played some guard here at Kansas State as well. So that'd be great. Look, if you can get three or four guys drafted a year, uh, and then have a guy in the first or second round most years. I, I think that's very beneficial to recruiting. So Cooper going first, early second next year, and then two or three other guys going mid rounds. Like that's gonna that would be great. You'd be talking about over the last three years of the climbing era. You got six guys drafted the last two years. You know, can you get to nine or ten after three years? I, I think that would be huge. I would set the over under for next year at three and a half. And right now, I would say that's over. Um, oh. And I don't think. There's, I, and I would, this is putting my neck out there a little bit, but I, I would not be shocked if they have more draft picks next year than they had this year. Daniel Green is another name that's probably going to come up here, but I, I understand the implication with him would be like, if he didn't go this year, if there wasn't enough of a positive response for him to go this year, and he's already as old as he is. Remember, he was like in the, what, class of 2017 in high school? I mean, it was a long time ago. That was a Bill Snyder 2.0 recruit. He's just the age is probably going to work against him there too, I would imagine. It will, but he can still get drafted. He would not have been drafted this year, and a lot of that was dictated by less than stellar tape that he would want out there that were that was a product of injuries, and I think the NFL folks know that, and I think they encouraged him to come back for another year as well. So my thought process is Daniel Green still has a chance. The age stuff will go against him. But some of that will be relieved because that they know that he didn't come out this year technically because of the injuries really held him back from a tape standpoint. Yeah, he was so beat up this year. I mean, he didn't get to to flash what we know he is. I mean, he was a first team All Big Twelve type player his his prior season. Um, you know what, like 13, 14 tackles for loss. Really good player and just. You know, and he's tough. I mean, he missed one game with the injury he had this year and, and almost trying to play in that game as well and then came back from it. So 
Uh, he's what going to be 24 this season, but there's still a shot like in the mid round, someone would take Daniel green, knowing he can give you production for a few years at the very least and play special teams, et cetera. He's a really good linebacker when he's healthy. So uh, hopefully he can have a great year this year. It'd be great for K state and his future. And a guy that has a lot of upward mobility in terms of draft stock is, is Khalid Duke because you're getting him back there at defensive end. I will say I've spoken to a couple of sources that said when, you know, when the NFL guys come to pro day or, or come around the program during the season, after the season, a guy that they've asked about for multiple seasons, they keep asking about is Khalid Duke. Now Cooper BB is probably the surefire first, first rounder, maybe drips into the second. We'll see just because of the position there and, and, uh, and, and what that entails. But Khalid Duke, uh, Needs a year, needs a full year of production, but you know, no distractions, no injuries. Just go out there and light it on fire. If he does that, uh, he could work himself into day two. I am salivating at the potential of Khalid Duke being uh, unleashed back into a pure pass rushing role this year, and uh, we can tie that into the discussion about K State's Big 12 title chances next year, which we're talking about because. One man who knows ball more than anybody else out on the national scene, Pete Thamel, dared to tell America on the draft set that K-State is winning the Big 12 again next year. We'll discuss that coming up. You're listening to KC Sports Network. We'll be right back after this. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So Pete Thamel of ESPN, gentleman, scholar, American hero, uh, went on set and was asked, what are the chances Texas wins the Big 12 title? This is after David Pollock totally shot it down. RG3, who did their spring game, was at least open to the idea of Texas winning the Big 12 next year. And Pete Thamel said, nope, K-State's winning it again. They've got culture. They've got consistency. They've won two Big 12 titles since the last Texas Big 12 title. They've won just as many as Texas has since the league started in 1996. He also referenced the entire offensive line coming back. He referenced Cooper Beebe. I believe maybe got a Will Howard mention in there as well, and that was basically his reasoning for K-State being the pick. Man, I mean, music to my ears. I love to hear it. It's weird to me that it seems like, I mean, I get it. They won the league last year, but based on the roster that was coming back last year and the, the roster that they have coming back this year, I mean, it's like this year seems to be a much more respected team than they were last year. Like, in a vacuum, D.Y., would, would you take this year's team versus last year's team where we're at right now, I think is the point that I'm making here versus where the respect level is at the media, just kind of lagging behind the big 12 championship from last year. I felt better at this time last year than I did this year. If, yeah. if So I'll put it that way. Um, but am I wrong in that? I definitely could be because this is how Pete Thamel uh, phrased it. And I know you were kind of searching for kind of the language behind it, but, 10 returning starters back on offense, um, everyone but Deuce Vaughn, technically, but which I don't know where he got that from because Malik Knowles, so I would have said nine. Uh, so nine, uh, although you maybe have the ideal replacement for Malik Knowles and, and Keegan Johnson. Uh, you have another year of Colin Klein as an offensive coordinator who stars pretty bright after just one year of college plays. He, he got the offer from Notre Dame. Um, Deuce Vaughn will never be replaced, but you probably did it as well as you could by adding Trayshawn Ward, who was pretty highly sought after in the transfer portal and putting him next to a DJ Giddens who should continue to grow and, and could also challenge for the starting spot in the backfield. And do you feel better at quarterback now than you did a year ago? I think 
knowing what we did back, knowing what we know now, we probably feel better about quarterback than we did last year at this time because Adrian Martinez had a solid year, but um, maybe the ceiling wasn't necessarily what we thought it perhaps was just because uh, he was limited a little bit in what he could do from an arm standpoint, probably a little bit more we thought. And he still had a good year, but uh, we didn't know that we were going to get that Will Howard in the second half of the year too. And if that was the case, then we would have even been more gung-ho probably about last year's team, right? But we were still pretty high on Adrian Martinez at the time. I, yeah, I'm a little conflicted because I liked last year's team a lot more th- at this time last year because I, I knew about the draft picks. Um, Adrian Martinez was a good fill-in at quarterback. And I felt a lot better about the defense of last year than I do about this year's defense. And I think that's probably the biggest uh, separator of the two. But I'm sitting here now and I just talked about it. I mean, there's a chance that they have more draft picks now. So my my opinion on this year's team has certainly evolved in the last month. Um, I just... I worry a little bit about the skill position and how they replaced that production. I mean, Deuce Vaughn was a large part of this offense for the better part of three years. And I worry about not the defense as a whole, but I worry about the playmaking aspect a little bit because what you do lose is the star power that brought plays. I mean, looks in you gaze on let's let's talk about this. He changed that season two years ago when he got that safety at Texas Tech. Um, and up until now, no one on this roster is really shown capable of doing something like that in the biggest moments. He had a game where he had six acts against TCU. Like I really, I liked a lot of these players. I just don't know if any of them are at, are capable of producing some of the moments that Felix Eni DK Uzama really produced. Um, cause those things are, you know, you can be as good, but just those plays, just guys making plays like that. Um, those things make a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, you lose an All-American in Deuce Vaughn, you lose the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year in Felix, uh, but there at the same time, there were some unknowns, as you mentioned, going into last season with Adrian's health. How would he do in this system? We didn't know if, if Will would develop at that point. Colin Klein was a first-year offensive coordinator. We didn't know how successful he would be in that role. The linebacker position, we were greatly concerned about the depth there. Austin Moore really ended up flashing uh, at that position, and now I think we feel better about the linebacker position than maybe any unit on the defense heading into this season. You know, it's going to be a matter. Can you replace Deuce uh, to an adequate level? Can DJ Giddens take another step, and can Treshawn Ward kind of be that secondary back that uh, gives you a lot of flash and pop and some explosives in the running game and maybe even in the passing game? Can Keegan Johnson be that number one receiver? All the things right now indicate that, you know, he could be an absolute stud in this system. We'll just have to see how it plays out. The tight end position, you feel a lot better about going into this year with Ben Sennett now seeing what he was able to do versus what you were looking at last year. So, uh, you know, coming on the heels of the Big 12 championship, you returning a starting quarterback and Will Howard that really flashed down the stretch um, and your entire offensive line. There are a lot of positions to feel really, really good about it. So, uh, I think, you know, from a national perception, when you see the media talking about this, I, I think they probably are getting more love uh, right now than last year because they've now done it. They got over the hump. They won a Big 12 championship. And anytime you return your starting quarterback, that's a big piece uh, to the puzzle in getting that national love. It'll be really interesting when the Big 12 preseason poll comes out this summer 
and we're going into media days down in Dallas. It'll be interesting to see where K-State falls in that. Are they going to be, I think they were, what, fourth or fifth in last year's poll? Are they going to be top three this year, or is it going to be your status quo of Texas, Oklahoma, right up there in the top two spots? That'll be fascinating to watch, and then where TCU's picked, too. I'd, I wanted to sneak in here one last thing before we go back to you, Kurtz. From a 185 standpoint, I think I feel good about this roster being capable of winning another Big 12. My questions are, on offense, who can go give me a 40, 50-yard play or a touchdown at any moment? Like, I felt like we had a deuce fog, so to speak. Or even Adrian Martinez last year with his legs, right? You lose that component a little bit. And on defense, do we have a guy that can go get a takeaway or a sack at any moment when we need it the most? Because you had that the last couple of years with Felix and D.K. Zama. Do you have those two things? Because I think that's the difference between eight and nine wins and maybe 10 to 12. I, I, I think it's a it's a very good point. It's a totally fair point. And I, I mean, I would point out like the Big 12 championship game as a example of that. Like Deuce Vaughn, the most iconic, I think Deuce Vaughn play is the the touchdown in the Big 12 championship game where I remember I leaned over to Cole, like Cole and I were talking, one of us leaned over to the other one. It was like, hey, this is where Deuce, Deuce is going to make a play here at some point. Like it was that sort of moment in the game. And he did, he, he broke the game. He's got the game breaking play. And then, you know, Felix had a monster sack at one point in that game too. I know it came right before the muffed punt, but that was another spot where it was like K-State seemed to grasp momentum and that really was a huge play. He's he's involved there in the goal line stand down at the end of the game. Do you have guys that are going to be able to step up and do things like that? I mean, shoot, even like Eli Huggins was huge on the goal line stand there down at the end, and you're going to have to replace him. So point, point taking, completely fair. I mean, honestly, I've just been pleasantly surprised by the discourse nationally about this team because I've my internal expectations have been more like, you know, eight wins and we'll see, you know, with a one game margin for error, probably on either side there, this will be the real test. Like is, is this program, we've seen all the, the good things happening within, within this program, but are they legitimately good enough to challenge for a big 12 title two years in a row? Um, that's, that's going to be the narrative of the season for sure. Yeah. And man, I think the, the, the fact that they're getting them more love right now is, the 100-mile point of view, which is usually at this time of the year what the national perspective is, the 100-mile point of view is this is a defending Big 12 champion that returns their starting quarterback in their entire starting offensive line. And there's I don't know if there's another Power 5 league champ that does that. Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest question marks that we're going to need to see answered, and I, I trust the staff because they're really strong there. We talked about it earlier, but you got to replace Julius Brents and Echo Boido two very experienced corners uh, that performed at all Big 12-type levels. you got to replace them. I think Jacob Parrish is going to be a stud and will be ready to step in on day one. Can Will Lee be that other guy? Can somebody else step in, take that other cornerback position by the hold and be a lockdown defender there? And then safety. Kobe Savage was a stud last year before the injury. How does he rebound? Is he comfortable on his knee? It sounds like he's well ahead of the rehab process, but he is an all Big 12-type safety can he be ready to go by the start of the year and look like himself again? And if he can, I think with B.J. Payne having another year in the system entering his true sophomore season, I think the safety position when, at those top two or three guys can be really good as well. The safety spot needs more depth. I will say a quarter, the depth there might be, while, while you probably don't have Julius Brents, you, you don't have a, a guy that's a surefire potential first rounder out there, Maybe you do with Will Lee just because of his traits, but we haven't seen him play yet. But you, I do think top to bottom, the cornerback room 
has a chance to be better. You got to worry, not worry maybe, but you wonder about what the top end talent is like and how much it can hold up and and do some of the things that you were able to rely on for the better part of two seasons with Echo Bordeaux and Julius Sprint. But I, I did break this um, a few minutes ago uh, while we're doing this podcast. And and I know people are going to see it as a bad thing, but I see it as a good thing. Omar Daniels entered the transfer portal. Um, but I almost see that as a good thing because that tells me that he went through spring balls like, I, I'm, I'm not where I want to be on the depth chart, which means that the depth chart is probably a little bit deeper than we imagined. A guy's like Jacob Parrish is, is doing the things that we expect Jacob Parrish to do. Keenan Garber is probably becoming a more prominent quarterback now that he's actually been able to practice at the position. And maybe Will Lee, he saw, man, this guy looks like Julius Spritz 2.0. So those are the things that would pop into my head that would at least give me some you know, cautious optimism. I know that it's weird seeing a guy that was probably expected to contribute entering the transfer portal could be seen as a positive, but I, I think it might. And I had another one actually just popped in. I think this will be the last entry. The, and today's May 1st. The portal uh, window closed on April 30th. Uh, this will be the last one that what I was told because I was waiting on this name. Gavin Forche just entered the, entered the transfer portal yesterday. His name popped in there today. Another guy that's probably just like Jalen Clem, just like Omar Daniels, a product of a log gym in front of yeah, I mean, they had such great depth at linebacker. It may not be, and this isn't a knock on Forche, but it, it, they probably need to free up a couple spots, like you said, D.Y., to maybe help address safety position if they can land a guy in the portal, get a couple depth spots uh, elsewhere because they don't need depth at linebacker. So that's okay. And like you mentioned, corner, it felt like Omar Daniels. Uh, I feel like every year we thought he might transfer anyways. So it, it's not necessarily a surprise, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah, Daniels was a guy that's kind of been rumored to kind of be homesick for a while too. Yeah. Well, I think the point here overall is like that it's clear that the the depth in the program has come a long way in the last couple of years. The questions will be, is Derek appropriately addressed? They're like, do you have a couple high-end playmakers that are going to step up? That That will be the issue. And with the way that they're recruiting right now, I mean, it's clear like that program depth is just going to continue getting better and better. They just they need to develop the next wave of stars, which they've proven capable of doing uh, throughout their time in, in Manhattan so far because they just threw all those guys into the drafts. And uh, now we come full circle on the entire discussion here. But fun to get the football juices back going this weekend with the drafts here and all that. Thinking about the upcoming season, uh, definitely going to be looking forward to that. Great things all the way around. Uh, in K-State world, you should expect a uh, basketball pod out of us here very shortly as well. So be looking for that. And uh, with that, we bid you adieu. We appreciate the work of Jordan Foote behind the scenes. As always, thank you to Holiday Distillery, Ben Holiday Bottled and Bond Bourbon, 360 Vodka. Make sure you get out and check that out and support those who support us. For Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck, I am John Kurtz. Thanks for listening to another episode of 3 Ball. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.